Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, November 13th, 2017, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page XVII, forward to the second edition. We're on the third paragraph, beginning, It Was Now Time. Reading through three paragraphs, ending AA had become a national institution. Our readers today um, for the 12 Steps, Nancy H., the 12 Traditions, Esther F., and our readers of the text are Craig F., Elizabeth H., Allison L., the newcomer greeters, Penny C., and the host for the second hour is Deanna B. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, November 13th, Special edition is 10,661. That's 10661. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy H. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you for your service, Lisa. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a recovering compulsive overeater, grateful for today's abstinence. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for giving me the privilege of reading. Thank you, Nancy H. And I'll now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning. This is Esther F., a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, OA, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XVII, beginning in the third paragraph where it says, It was now time. Reading through three paragraphs on to XVIII, ending with AA had become a national institution and commenting on all three paragraphs. And Craig F., will you please begin reading? Craig, we can't hear you, star one. Now, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. (laughs) All right, thank you. This is Craig F., recovered at Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, It was now time, the struggling groups thought, to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. 
The membership had then reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended, and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. With the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the noted clergyman, reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Ausler, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God. This brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to these prospective members. New groups started up, and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth. By the end of 1935, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller, Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. News of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. By 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. Wow. Um, You know, this uh, is just fantastic, this mushrooming growth, you know, to go from a hundred to eight thousand in just a period of a few years, um, and I I can't help but be struck with the idea that it would have been so easy to screw this up. You know, uh, all it would have taken is for uh, some of the founders to decide that they wanted to make an advocation of this and and make a, a living off of it. After all, weren't they helping a lot of people and uh, you know, all it would have taken was uh, a few uh, bad decisions. And uh, this, uh, you know, they, when they went to this uh, dinner for John D. Rockefeller, there was hope that he was going to give them a lot of money in order to make the work go. And, uh, you know, my understanding is that Rockefeller uh, was smart enough to see that that would simply injure the, 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 uh, injure the group, that this, uh, idea that we learn about back in helping others, you know, where we uh, we can kill somebody by by uh, helping them, giving them money, by teaching them to rely on us rather than on God. Um, went to work in the group principles as well that uh, you know we had to learn to rely on God. But I also see that God's hand had to be in this. I mean, when I read this, I I, I feel like I'm reading about a a miracle, uh, probably one of the greatest miracles that we could be witness to, that the, the miracle of the establishment of AA, uh, because I, I think God's hand kept them from 
making fatal mistakes. I, I think that uh, this was so needed. This this program was so it's so important to our society. So important to to me and to the people like me, like uh, like us. That uh, uh, I, I think it was important enough that God steered them uh, through this this infant pro, uh, infant stage of recovery and uh, helped them come to uh, to a more mature uh, kind of a program. Um, I'm uh, 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 I'm just and uh, I'm looking for the right word. Uh, I'm just in awe. I think of of reading this, and I know that somebody, other people will give uh, a more detailed uh, illumination of the history here, and and I'm looking forward to hearing that. But I, I think when I just stand back and look at it in the big picture, that that I that I just have to be so grateful for the fact that there is a solution, and that Hi. the solution is available to everybody you and me today and with that I'll pass thank you thank you Craig F and who would like to comment on the three paragraphs that Craig just read Madam Larry Melissa K. K Matt M C okay I just missed a couple of people I got Matt M Larry K Melissa C but there was somebody else Harlan G Leanne, is that was that Leanne? Yes. And Ginger C. Kim G. Okay, let's stop. I'll, um, I'm going to stop right here, and then I'll pick up some more. Um, I have Matt M, Larry K, Melissa C, Leanne W, Harlan Let me know G, when you're done with the kitchen, C. okay? Okay, somebody's unmuted. So if you're if you're not Matt M, if you wouldn't mind um, pressing star one to mute your phone, and Matt, please go ahead. Can you hear me? I sure can. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive over here from New Jersey. Yeah, this is amazing how um, these little things started to fall together, like pieces in a puzzle, like dominoes. These events started happening one after another that started to increase the, the AA's growth by leaps and bounds. I mean, every time one of these things happened, it, the, the membership almost doubled. You know, it started with Dr. Harrison Emerson Fosdick. You know, he wrote, he reviewed with approval in, his, in, his, in 1939, Fultz Osler, then editor of Liberty, and then then the editor of Liberty printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God that you know bring up 800 frantic inquiries, frantic means it's like really fast and really really needy. And then um, towards the bottom it says, we found the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail. Yeah, people were getting this book in the mail as well, and it was helping them as as well as the word of mouth. Um, and then in the 40s, uh, John D. Rockefeller, he gave that dinner and talked to many of his friends, which he invited A members to tell their stories, and they were qualifying, sharing their experience, strength, and hope, and more people got deluged them. And then uh, once that article by Jack Alexander was wrote, written, it really, really blew up, and it's amazing that he, because he wrote that such compelling picture of AA before the general public that they they really got deluged eight to eight thousand members. That's amazing how it just kept block, doubling and tripling. And this is, I think it's God God centered. This was not about the hand of God because each if none of these things happened, AA I don't think would ever grow, would have grown so, so so fast and so quickly. So it's a miracle that these things happen. And uh, but that'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Matt M. And I have Larry K. followed by Melissa C. Larry. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. Thanks for your service. Uh, I'm Larry K. Uh, I'm recovered uh, today from Chicago. The um, you know, for me, the uh, to believe that this the evolution of this program is anything but uh, divine in nature, you know, of God, from God, is for me something, you know, beyond reason based on my experience, based on what I've experienced directly as a result of these steps and based on what I've seen in others. And, you know, we, we read about the history. Our history shows me that this AA movement was divine in nature. And this program uh, not only came directly from God, but I, I feel as though when I look at how it used to be for me, see, unless I was immersed in immersed in the diversion of binge eating, it was the most aggressive thoughts, the ones labeled with the strongest feelings that got my uh, priority in my mind unless I was immersed in, in the eating. There, there, there's at least one person on the line that understands what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm sure a lot more. And these thoughts buried me moment by moment, and I ate the food, and I ate the food, but rest assured, these thoughts were eating me alive or dead. And it's no longer like that for me. That's how I know this program is divine. You know, what, what if there was a program of action? that leads to a spiritual transformation? What, 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 that, you know, what if that were true, that begins to guide my feelings, those, those propellants that give rise to my thoughts and actions, you know, those feelings? What, what, if, what, what if there was a, a spiritual transformation? And what if as a result of this way of life, these steps, my conscious thinking begins to change? What, what if that were possible, where I'm no longer owned by the propellant of emotion, but rather I become owned by God-centered thinking? What if that were possible? Do you suppose if this were possible for human beings, that as your thinking begins to change, that your actions would begin to follow that prevailing thinking? What, what, what if this alignment with your higher power's purpose began to give you some mastery over your emotions? What, what, what if that were true? And, and, and give, you, give you the ability to harness your feelings in a way that you could not have anticipated. You, you didn't, couldn't see what you couldn't see, could, couldn't, couldn't experience what you hadn't experienced yet. But what, what if that were possible? What if that were possible for you? Guess what? It is. And it's much more than I could ever begin to articulate. It was so 80 years ago, some 80 years ago on our program, it's still available to you in 2017. It's called, uh, we, I think we call it recovery. It's called the restoration of human beings. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Um, next is Melissa C., followed by Leanne W. Melissa? Hi. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, what really um, grabs me this morning is, um, you know, I'm thinking of how Bill and how this is the same guy who, um, you know, we read about him earlier on. He, um, his, he had arrived, you know, and that, that was um, the way that he once thought, you know, and yet it's, he's the same um, person with 
probably a lot of the same characteristics, only, you know, in God's hands, our defects, our drives, our determination um, can really be used for wonderful things. And, you know, that same frantic energy that had him running about the country um, with his wife on a motorcycle, you know, trying to... That now um, is doing incredible things, um, you know, with those same qualities. And I think about, you know, myself. How? What can I learn from this? You know, that um, I wake up and I'm frantic some mornings. I have like my agenda, my list, and. Just get such inspiration from this. You know, I stop in the morning, and um, you know, I, I work my program of recovery. So my 11th step, you know, prayer and meditation, and I'm asked all throughout the day for to be divorced of self-seeking motives. You know, and so um, I'm thinking about these individuals who, you know, God bless them. They got us this incredible fellowship, this wonderful program of recovery because they were divorced of self-seeking motives. You know, their motive was to help. And so they could carry the message, you know, at these dinner parties and be published in articles. And, you know, sitting at those tables and reading those articles were definitely people who did not have alcoholism you know, who were not suffering from this. But we don't say, I don't say, well, I'm only going to carry the message, I'm only going to share the truth of recovery to people who I diagnose as having this problem. I I think that we, you know, when asked, um, what did you do to lose weight, I can't give uh, a half-assed answer. You know, I don't have to be preaching you know, talking about God, but I do have to tell the truth because you never know who gets the message, and I think that's what I can learn from this, that they carried the message, um, just put it out there, and um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C., and Leanne W., followed by Harlan G. Leanne? Hi, good morning. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. Stop my timer. And um, what really struck out at me this morning was the statement that said, uh, with the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Henry Emerson Foddix, the noted clergyman, reviewed it with approval. And that really jumped out at me because I know today that there are a lot of great books out there, and there are some pretty uh, well-known people that approve them, and people flock to the stores, and I'm one of them, so I guess I can only speak for myself. I've flocked to the stores uh, because some well-known person, you know, approved it and claims that it's the great new book, and it has the answer, and, you know, and there were even times in my past when I first came into program that I had the big book and I owned the big book and you know it was um it was great to have it and I would read it but it it really didn't resonate with me and you know it's just it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't enough that I would just have the book 
It wasn't enough that I would just read the book, that I would just, list, you know, go through the stories in the back and say, aren't those good? And yeah, I like this step. Maybe I'll work this step today. Oh, no, maybe I'm not going to work that step today. And for me, uh, what this really jumped out at me because, you know, it's, um, it's important for me that I actually do the work that's in the book. And um, I don't just have the book on my shelf. And, you know, I, and to just really go with the people, um, like my sponsor, working with my sponsor and then sharing the message. It's, you know, like I said, there's a lot of great books out there. But this book, you know, being in, inspired, you know, by God with Bill's writing and stuff, this book changed my life. And um, I just really wanted to share that today. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. And Harlan G., you're up next, followed by Ginger C. Harlan? Thank you, Lisa, and thank you to Team Monday for this wonderful, wonderful meeting. We are who we are by inches and threads, and we are who we are in our society by a series of miracles that never should have happened. When we see some of these names in 2017, they may mean nothing to us. Well, let's take a brief three-minute history lesson here, if we can, if it helps anybody. Willard Richardson was a very dear friend of Nelson Rockefeller's, and Leonard Strong was the brother-in-law of Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson went up to Poughkeepsie to see Len um, <clears throat> one day, and Leonard Strong said to Bill Wilson, I think I went to school with a girl who had an uncle that worked for Rockefeller. Now, let's take a look at that sentence. I think I went to school with a girl whose uncle worked for Rockefeller. He tracks down Willard Richardson. Willard Richardson was the right hand of Rockefeller. He knew Leonard Strong. He knew, and Leonard Strong was married to Dorothy Wilson, Bill's sister. He was a physician. They get to Richardson. They get to Rockefeller's. Rockefeller knew uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick because he was a member of his church, the Riverside Church in Manhattan in New York. Now let's take a look at some names here. We only have a couple of minutes here. Let's take a look at Jack Alexander. And Jack Alexander actually wrote two articles for the Saturday Evening Post. Yes, he wrote one in 1941, but he also wrote a follow-up article in April of 1950 called The Drunkard's Best Friend. But when we see this name, and we, it doesn't, if it doesn't mean anything to us, Jack Alexander was an investigative reporter. He wasn't sent to AA to find out what was right with AA. He wasn't sent to AA to praise it. He was sent to AA to find out if this wasn't some form of scam. He comes in there, and for the first time in his, in his professional life, he writes a glowingly praiseful article about AA in 1941 called Alcoholics at God. Now, Bill Wilson writes him in 1949 requesting a follow-up article, and at first he doesn't want to do it because he says there's really nothing more to say. He writes a second article in 1950, which further catapulted AA into the national spotlight. So there was actually two articles. We are here by inches, and what was the message that God wanted us to see? 
the message of the big book of Alcoholics and Anonymous. The one thing that saved my sad life, and I'm alive today and happy to be free in my release from the food because of the instructions in this magnificent book. What a, what a way of life. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. And Ginger C., you're up. Ginger C., star one. Okay, maybe Ginger C. will come back on. Um, Before I take the next list, I did hear Kim G. and Vasa O., who else would like to share on what was read today? We're on, if you're just joining us, we're on page XVII, beginning with the third paragraph, It Was Now Time, reading through three paragraphs, on to XVIII, ending with AA had become a national institution. This is Ginger C. Oh, Ginger, there you are. Okay, well, let's go with... <laughs> Okay, let me take a couple more names. I have Ginger C, okay. Kim G, and Vasa O. Penny C, Leah M, Leah M, and Reba P. Let's stop there. Penny C, Leah M, Reba P. Okay. All right, Ginger C, are you there? I am. Thank you so much. This is Ginger C, recovered in Colorado. And one day I will figure out the mute button, I promise. Um But I just got so sparked this morning just hearing the numbers of the growth in this program. And, you know, when the reader was reading, he started with the number 100. Then it quickly jumped to 800. Then we went from 800 to 2,000 and then to 8,000. And in 2017, you know, we're in the millions. It's amazing what this book, this clear-cut directions, these words in 164 pages what it has done for so many people. And what I just wanted to reflect on, and I love, love um, how the big book shows us this. It says many times in these pages how simple it is. Simple but not easy. A price has to be paid. Yeah, you got to say goodbye to the food first and foremost, and then you got to work this like your life depends on it daily. Because I only can count on today's work for my recovery. You know, yesterday didn't work. Um, I got to wash, rinse, and repeat and begin again. But, you know, again, this simple component, where did all these numbers begin? And it began when two alcoholics sat across from each other at a kitchen table and one shared his experience, strength, and hope. And the most important thing is that the person he was sharing to is very much an intellectual. And because he shared his heart and what had happened to him, in such a beautiful way, that intellectual heard it in his heart. It went from his head to his heart because that's another most important component. I have to concede to my innermost self. And that's what happened at that kitchen table. So this whole program is just one drunk talking to another. So my message is just keep keep strong if you're in this and you're out and God's grace has entered into your window and you're living today this neutral life around food, food that was killing you and putting you in a grave. And today you have freedom. And and like our friend always says, and you're doing so happily. 
I always had white knuckled abstinence. It sucked. And today I'm free and I'm doing so, so happily. But it's only one drunk talking to another. That's how simple it is. And last Sunday I went to my live OA meeting and we had 10 newcomers raise their hand. I had goosebumps. Because the book also tells me I go to meetings for those who are seeking it, for that newcomer who's desperate and drowning and needs to hear hope, that there's a way out of this nightmare. So I am just, I just got so excited by those numbers and just saying, yeah, it just starts with one, one of us talking to another. But I have to have depth and weight, and I can only transmit what I have, so I better be working it today like it's, my life depends on it, and I know it absolutely does. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. And Kim G., are you available? Good morning. Yeah, actually, I can't. I was actually walking out the door, then I heard my name. I didn't think you heard me. Um, good morning, everyone. My, my name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And, you know, the word that, that popped out to me is that I didn't even realize. Um, I love how this book constantly is, is giving me new information. Yes, I think it was Friday we talked about these men frantically trying to carry a message. And now we hear the same thing, that we got people frantically needing this message. I mean, that, that's the beauty of, of the growth of AA. And, you know, I, I had to reflect back on my own experience on Overeaters Anonymous. Um, you know, in 2014, we had, a, we had a census. And the only growth that they have seen recently in Overeaters Anonymous is on phone meetings. So I have to look at my own history. You know, when I came in in 1994, there was a Friday night meeting that had like 100 people in it. You know, in 2014, when we did our census, the average OA meeting is only nine people. You know, in my opinion, that Friday night meeting was, was, it was like the Washingtonians that Harlan has educated us about. It was fellowship only. It was tools only. And I have to tell you, by the way, that meeting now has two to three people, and they're considering closing the meeting. You know, in my inner group, you know, I think to myself, you know, my, my meeting, um, we, our seven tradition literally is almost equals the rest of the 39 meetings in my inner group. And I'm not saying that for money-wise, but seven tradition usually reflects how many people are in the seats. So if, if my meeting is contributing just as much as the other 39 meetings, how many people are in those seats? My average meeting in my area is two, three, four, five people with an exception of maybe, maybe three or four of the meetings. You know, um, why is that? You know, they, why was the growth the way it was? Because there was a clear message of the 12 steps of recovery. There was a clear message of put down the drink, work these steps, have a spiritual awakening, and carry that message to the next suffering compulsive overeater. You know, I think to myself, having, you know, been in OA for 17 years in a relapse, and I got to look at this book in a new way, and I got recovered, what did I have to do? I had to do an inventory. I had to look at my old ideas, my prejudices, because the way that I was doing it, being right and doing it my way, I was dying. You know, my personal belief is OA needs to do the same thing. Why are we contracting versus growing? You know, once again, my personal experience is that I, I personally try to do recovery on fellowship and tools only. I see many meetings doing the same. It's meeting makers make it. It's doing the nine tools, and the 12 steps are an afterthought. But the hope and the, and the, and the um, possibility is we can see the growth in AA when their focus was on the 12 steps. I see the growth in OA when the focus is on the 12 steps and doing those instructions. We can do this. We can take this message of pure 12-step program, bring it back to the masses of OA, and in my personal opinion, we can affect 
United States more than AA ever was. We have the ability to help our fellow suffering compulsive overeaters, and I implore everyone, put the food down, recover, and carry that message. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Vasa O will be followed by Penny C. Yes, good morning. Thank you, Lisa H., for your service. And I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough. I love to hear the, the history, how AA started, uh, and it changed my life. I don't think, I don't feel, I don't even look the same person like I did before. The body changed. Uh, again, this program is a miracle, um, God, how God inspired the founders to put this program, the big book and the 12 steps together. And uh, I, it was just amazing when I heard the first edition, how 100 men and women recovered. And then it just mushroomed over the, the years, you know. It started just from few people to where we are now, millions of people. Even the vision for you, when I came to it, it was like 200 people. And here, four years later, there's many, many thousands people on it listening. And um, again, I'm just so grateful. This is a gift. This was a gift from me that I lost hope, you know, before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I thought I was just going to, I would never be able to put those foods down and, uh, and uh, recover. I never, I really didn't, I, w- I would be dead today. So for me, it was just take the actions, follow directions, the way the big book is laid out and follow and just do it and do it. Take the action. I remember going at the beginning years ago to a day meeting and there were only a few people. Sometimes there was like only one or two people. And I remember this woman, she was in AA for years and still struggling with the food. And, you know, she did not get it. She could not get it. She died with this disease. And I I was saying, oh, my God, you know, and there are a lot of, lot of AA people and other programs are suffering with the food. Uh, They just, you know, they don't get it. They still, you know, for myself, I tried, I thought I had to do it by myself, by my own willpower. And I had to find a power greater than myself to help me, which I call God and the program and the 12 steps. I mean, this is a miracle program. If I got it, anybody can get it. I did not even learn. I didn't even speak the language that good. I was looking up words and stuff, and uh, it's amazing. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Penny C., you're up next, followed by Leah M. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. All this talk and, and as we're reading and the shares about the rapid growth of AA and all the members, the numbers swelling, reminds me of having heard Dr. Bob's son, uh, Smitty, they called him, Bob, Bob S. Jr., speak at a convention here in Massachusetts in the early 2000s, I believe it was the year 2000, exactly. And, you know, he he talked about what it was like, and he was present for a lot of the planning. Uh, he was right there, and people were in the living room of his house 
in Akron, Ohio. And one of the things he said very clearly was that if it weren't for his mother, Ann Smith, Dr. Bob's wife, that, you know, uh, this AA may have, may have become a business venture. You know, he said they were, they were, was a group of AAs in their living room, and he, he heard that one day when they were talking about, you know, how they could make some money off this new, new venture they had come up with. And people were, you know, clamoring for the book and clamoring for more, more meetings. And, uh, so they were, they, they were really considering, according to Bob S. Jr., how they could, how they could profit from this. And he said his mother very gently walked in the room and just stopped the talking and said, where is God in all this? Where is God? And he said that, you know, the people uh, that were planning just stopped and, and just, um, you know, were silent. And that was the end of the planning how they could make money off this wonderful, wonderful fellowship and organization. And thank God, I don't think, you know, we read, we read in the, the book all about Bob and Bill, you know, the, their wives, you know, Ian and Lois um, deserve so much more credit than we ever read in this big book, but they weren't looking for credit. They were, they were, they were too, uh, really, really um, um, influential women who who were were okay staying in the background, but they certainly had a lot of influence. And with that, I'll pass. Thank God. Thank you, Penny C. And Leah M., you're up, followed by Reva P. Thank you very much. The mushrooming process was in full swing. I mean, there may be some on the line who are uh, thinking, you know, why is it important to read about our history? Why is it important to study the preface? Um, but uh, the importance of learning history is, you know, how can I know where I'm going if I don't know where I'm coming from? What was it that led to this mushrooming process? You know, it's been said that whenever a civilization or a society declines or perishes, there's always one condition present. They forgot where they came from. You know, and perhaps, perhaps that could be said about Overeaters Anonymous. Perhaps. Um, you know, this decline. Uh, you know, we often hear OA is the last house on the block. My personal belief and my personal experience is that the big book is the last house on the block within Overeaters Anonymous. That's my experience, having been in the fellowship, uh, recovered for 30 years, in fellowship for more than 30 years. Um, so it's important for me to remember what was attractive, what was creating this boom and this development, you know, <laughs> Now, nobody ever intended it to be a fellowship of men and women as it is today. Uh, these people who, uh, you know, spent thousands of hours in discussion representing the collective voice, heart, and conscience of their experience, they intended to publish a book and let people find spiritual conversion through the action of these steps. Um, and the fellowship was born out of that. So, again, it reminds me 
what led to this mushrooming effect. It was, as it says in that first paragraph, it was now time the struggling group thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. That is what caught on fire. That's what created uh, this, this mushrooming effect. We read it every day when we read the closing from 164, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. These men and women who penned these pages were transmitting something they had, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And those of us on this line who have walked the path can assure you it's of its effectiveness even within Overeaters Anonymous, even with compulsive overeating. We once suffered in hopelessness and despair from compulsive overeating, and now we are new people with a new purpose, and we have been transformed by this same clear set of directions that these early pioneers had. And so, you know, I hope that's a message for hope of hope for everyone on the line. We're not special. We haven't been appointed to anybody. Believe me, we just pressed into these 12-step process and have had a transformation as a result of the implementation of this work. If it happened to me, it can happen for you. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Reva P., you're up. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. What strikes me so much in these paragraphs is growth, how it grew in numbers, um, in power. The format was irrelevant, whether it was by book, by mouth. Um, it was growing. And it just strikes me, you know, here I have the example at an organizational level. What was the foundation of the growth? The foundation was that these people were recovered. It was recovery um, that then led to the growth as opposed to vice versa. You know, let's make an organization and we'll try um, to see if we can solve our problem. They were recovered. And it reminds me at my um, individual personal level, I need to work on the insides, not control my outside life, not make the five-year plan. They didn't say, oh, you know, at this time we're going to have a target of a 1,000 members. And at this time, it just grew. And it was a natural unfoldment um, as a result of being recovered. So when I work on my spiritual development through the steps, um, the power works through me, and as a natural consequence and result, things change on the outside. I grow, things grow around me, and that's the power of a higher power, God, whatever we want to call it, working through me as a result of the steps and recovery. And it's such a great reminder that I always have a tendency to want it backwards. I want to you know, get to a certain weight. I want to get to a certain goal in life. I want to get certain things. But it works the opposite. It's such a paradox. I work on spiritual development, and God weaves the way. You know, Maybe they wanted to make it into a business, but they just went with the flow because that's what we do when we're recovered. Um, and it's so amazing how things unfold beyond our wildest imagination because it's God's power working. It's not willfulness. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. 
Um, and it looks like we have time for two, maybe three shares. Charles H. Any, okay, Charles. Janice M. Janice yes, R. Okay, let's go with that. Hopefully we'll get through everybody. Charles H., Janice M., Nessa R., Charles, go ahead. Thank you very much for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and thank you for all the shares, and thank you for the 386 people that's on the line right now being obedient. And, and this reminds me of obedience is superior to sacrifice. Let me say this, Bill W., and we all know he was hard up. We all know um, that they needed money. OA needed money too. But I'm going to keep it real with you. Bill W., need, they needed money. They were looking for some money. They were hard up. And I'd like to take you on a tour through the AA 12 and 12, the second tradition where um, Charlie Towns almost got the bill like, yo, we can get bread. We can get, some, we can get paid off of this. And Bill was running with it until he went home and Lois was cooking for them drunks in the house and she gave him a frown when Bill gave her that idea. And then it was, uh, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the early members in the mean, Bill, you can't do that to me. You can't do that to us. Bill was obedient. He trusted in, in God as an authority. The group conscience was in full effect right there. Now, Bill was obedient. If he wasn't obedient and he made that, that left on Albuquerque Avenue, we wouldn't be here right now. So I thank you, Bill, for being obedient and sacrificing your own for the good of us in 2017. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. And Janice M., followed by Nessa. <clears throat> good morning to you, and thank you for your service. Um, my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, these paragraphs tell a lot, um, you know. Uh, first of all, these, you know, Rockefeller and the press and this one and that one, the doctors, et cetera, they were advocates. You know, they endorsed this program. Why? As was mentioned, for, for really two big reasons. One, it says, AA members to tell their story. That's they were invited to these occasions, but it, it it missed. I mean, it didn't say it, but it's AA recovered members to tell their story. You know, they didn't invite drunks to tell. You know, the problems, the relapses. They told. They invited recovered people to tell others what they were like, and what happened, and how they are now. This was the attraction. And, and in addition, not only were they recovered first, that's the first thing, then their families were reunited. That was the second big thing. That, you know, and, and Bill and, and the others that were giving this message away and giving hope to others. Oh, I didn't put my timer on, if you could time me kindly. Um, <clears throat> they still made it. They still uh, made uh, recovery their number one priority. They didn't uh, uh, worry about, uh, oh, do, let's do the job first, and I'll get recovered. Like, you know, some of, some of the uh, members of, uh, you know, of OA said, well, no, let me get, let me get work done first. Let me, let me work for Christmas. Or let me work for the holiday, and then I'll get recovered. You know, this is on the back burner. No, it's wrong priority. This has to come first. 
you know, because nothing else can follow it. And they had so much joy because they received the power. And um, they had so much joy in this power to give, to give, 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 instead of receive, because we can't buy this. And, you know, this book is full of information, but it doesn't say learn all the information that you can, and then you'll have transformation, you'll have a spiritual awakening. No. Get the information and then work these 12 steps, and you will hear the end of the story. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And Nessa R. Got plenty of time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. As uh, others that have shared before me, I too am always grabbed by the description of the growth of the fellowship, of the, pub- of the uh, distribution of the book. And, you know, but I don't find this surprising because things that are good and, 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 and work, they have to grow. They have to grow. And, and what I look into is why, why did it grow? Why did it grow? Was it because these men were drunk and now they're sober? No, it wasn't because of that. Um, it was because they were once hopeless drunks and now they don't want to drink. They don't care about alcohol. You know, it's totally been removed from their brains. Um, and that, that is the reason for the growth, you know, because um, as a compulsive overeater, I know that I had gone on many, many diets. I tried many uh, different ways to lose weight. And, you know, in a lot of them, I did lose the weight, but I couldn't stop wanting to eat. You know, no matter how low my weight got, I always wanted the food. I'm always, always waiting for that moment, you know, the magical moment when I reached go weight and I could eat again. And, of course, the weight uh, piled back on. The key thing here is that the, these men had been relieved of the obsession to drink. Um, that's exactly what happened to me, too, um, when I started following the dictates of this book. You know, I became uh, entirely abstinent. Um, I followed the instructions of my sponsor who took me through the steps according to the big book. And I too recovered, which means that, you know, not only I am abstinent today, but I don't want to eat. The binge food, the, the, the trigger ingredients, the behaviors that, that, you know, used to hold me hostage, uh, no longer, no longer no longer called to me at all. You know, these men knew what they were talking about. Um, unlike some of the other experts that I've been to in my life for weight loss, they knew what they were talking about. They were the expert in the disease. They were the experts in their recovery because they had recovered and no longer wanted to drink. And that's why um, the growth mushroomed, as we have just read. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And thank you to everyone who shared. The share ID for today, Monday, November 13th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 10,663. That's 10663. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elizabeth H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
Elizabeth H, star one. Good morning. Can I be heard now? Yes, you can. Go ahead. Thank you. Elizabeth H, recovered compulsive overeater in Orlando. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet many some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.